So thank you for joining us on Let the Hill Begin podcast. I'm your host, Asia, and we have Angie Weber joining us today. How are you, Angie? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for joining us. So where are you from? Minnesota. Okay. Are you born and born and raised? Born and raised, always said I was going to move away, never did, ended up going to college in the Twin Cities at the U of M, lived down there for about seven years, and then ended up moving back to my hometown, uh, which I said again that I would never do. However, uh, with the eight, well, they're going to be nine pretty soon, but when my kids were about three years old, uh, they're twins, and my parents helped us out so much with just daycare and watching them that it just made sense to move back up to be closer. So now instead of 40 minutes away from them we're about seven okay that's nice i bet Mm -hmm. that's helpful so are they identical twins nope they're fraternal so a boy and a girl very similar in some aspects and so completely different in others (laughs) do they get along good they really do. I mean, of course, we know that living with anyone, you can kind of get on each other's nerves, right? So they definitely have their times where they bicker and they fight and they get on each other's nerves. Uh, but for the most part, they're each other's best friends. So that's really helpful for me, especially during like breaks and summer and things like that, that they have a built-in built in playmate. So whenever they say, you know, oh, I'm bored or I wish I had something else to do, we're like, that's why we had two of you. So you had someone to play with. I <laughs> know, <laughs> that's right. So let's go back to your child. What was it like for you growing up? Did you have siblings? How was that? I did. I have one sister. However, she's about six and a half years older than me. So uh, even though we kind of grew up together, definitely during those milestones of our life, we were at different pages. So when I was, you know, born, she was already in school. And when I was going into middle school, she was graduating from high school. When I was in high school, she was having kids. So um, we grew up together. Definitely, you know, had a closer bond when we were growing up. But again, because of those different life changes and just different stages, um, we were never kind of at the same point and so I used to tell my mom all the time I would get so upset that she was so much older than me when I was younger and I would come home and say no one has a sibling that's that much older than them and I just saw it as such like a disadvantage because everyone that I knew had siblings that were really close to them in age but then when I did get into like junior high and high school I really appreciated her being older because she was definitely had a lot more wisdom and life experience that she could give me feedback on when I was going through stuff that I know I wouldn't have been able to get if she was just a year or two older than me absolutely um so let's talk about your parents did you have two parents in the house yep I did my parents have been married it'll be um 40 40 some years um this week actually that they've been married so my husband always says that i had a very cookie cutter childhood which i can't disagree with in the fact that i did grow up with very supportive parents they were very loving and you know provided a lot for us um compared to like what his childhood was however looking back and going through my own healing journey as an adult i can also see where some of those like parenting cycles um about emotions and mental health and stuff that i want to break moving forward with my own kids. Now, growing up, was that a talk that you guys had in your household as kids? No. Yeah. No, it was very much, you know, like I could come to my mom a lot more easily than I could come to my dad um, because he grew up in a way that he was always very much in charge. I mean, he was the oldest. He always felt like he had a lot of responsibility. So there wasn't a lot of like emotions being shown. And we went through some stuff within our family that dealt with mental health issues. And I remember seeing my dad cry like once or twice, but it was always like, I'm going to go over here and do that. I'm not going to like show it outwardly. So it's not like they cut off all emotions and didn't want to talk 
about mental health, but it was very much like, we're going to sweep it under the rug. And years later, even after I kind of talked to my mom about a year or two ago about some stuff that was happening, her response was, well, I just didn't think I needed to talk to you about that. And I was like, I really wish you would have. And so, you know, there are little things throughout that, again, I'm not shaming my parents or saying that they did anything bad because that's just how they knew how to deal with it. And I want to use this as an opportunity to help educate parents and raise my own kids in a different way where we're a lot more vocal about it. Absolutely. And you know what I think? I think a lot of um, like prior to now, you don't really hear, well, me personally, I haven't really heard a whole lot like about mental health. When I was growing up, it was always described as mental illness, you know, people with mental illness or this, that, the other. But now as an adult, like I understand the importance of mental health, you know, um, growing up, we were taught about different emotions, um, but we weren't really taught about anger um, or how to handle sadness or um, anger and things like that. Um, so mental health is, you know, major. Um, how do you think that affected you um, not having those talks? Um, so I can see, so I went through kind of my own like trauma in 2020 and I can see now looking back that because we didn't have a lot of those talks, I didn't understand really how to fully express my emotions all the time. Because if we're honest, most of us, like you said, we, we heard about mental illness. We, you know, heard the terms like sad, angry, jealous, upset, whatever it was, but we didn't always get taught on how to express it in safe and healthy ways. And when those feelings start coming up, as we grow up, we like to stuff them down or suppress our emotions because it's really uncomfortable and let's be honest we don't like being uncomfortable and so I saw through kind of looking back that because it wasn't really nurtured as much about how to express the emotions I was very much like I'm just gonna fix this right away I'm an over functioner so instead of feeling those emotions and helping process through them I kind of want to ignore them and be like okay we're gonna get through this we're gonna do a B and C we're gonna be fine and let's just forge ahead and then typically after a couple weeks or months or even a year afterwards it really kind of came crashing down on me where I was like oh shoot like I really have to go back and do the hard work now and processing how that made me feel and understanding how to take back control of my emotions and mental health um, instead of just suppressing it and trying to forge ahead like nothing happened absolutely um so I'm gonna back up a little bit you said you had a trauma back in 2020 what, what did that look like for you yeah, so I don't typically talk about the um, details of the trauma, but it definitely rocked my world. Um, it was something personal within my family, and uh, it just, again, really floored me. But I, at the moment, was like, okay, this is how we're going to fix it, and we're just not really going to talk about it, and started doing kind of some of my own like therapy and stuff, traditional therapy, going in about every week. I was doing marriage therapy with my husband, and everything to be seemed to be going okay, you know, the ups and downs of kind of figuring things out plus the pandemic on top of that a few months later definitely did not help uh, that much um but about a year into kind of what i say my healing journey is i really started to understand that something wasn't right with inside me so my depression was getting really bad my anxiety was through the rough i just didn't feel like myself anymore which is very typical for parents especially moms to go through at at any point as they're raising kids and i realized oh my gosh i need to do the work myself because no one outside of me is going to be able to do or say anything to fix how I'm feeling like I really have to sit there and do the hard work and sit in my feelings and that's when through the encouragement of a friend um, I got into a, an intensive outpatient
outpatient treatment that focused on anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Um, and I was in it for four months and it was a very intensive program, but it really gave me the foundation pieces to start rewiring how I understood emotions and mental health. And so it's definitely kind of a double-edged sword of like, I would never want to go through that again. However, yeah. it's also brought me to where I am now, which I'm so very grateful for. And you know, oftentimes when we're traveling along the journey, we're like, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I, like, it seems like the world is crashing and burning, you know? Yeah, and then, all the time. Yeah, and then like, if you are one to actually do the work and progress forward, then you look back, you're like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm thankful for that because I it, it got me to where I am now, but I don't ever wanna go back there again. No, no. And you know, some of your listeners might be able to, if they're going through kind of their own healing journey of through trauma and things like that, there are some days that you feel like, oh my gosh, I am here. I am back. I am so good. And you feel this like empowerment and this surge of energy. And then the next day you wake up and you're just like, oh, it's one of my low days again. And so trying to figure out how can we even that out more so we're not having these big high peaks and valleys um, that just really are exhausting. Absolutely. And another thing too, like along the healing journey, like it's okay not to be okay. We all have some rough days, you know, because it's not just like, oh, I'm healed. And, and now it's, it's for, I'm forever healed. It's an actual, it's an actual process. Um, and it's a lifestyle and it's a, um, you know, a transformation. Um, so let me ask you this, like going into the therapy and stuff, were you kind of leery or were you kind of like hesitant about it? Absolutely. I was terrified. <laughs> um, and again, kind of going back to my childhood, again, this is nothing to like shame my parents, but for some reason I was very anxious about telling them that I was going to go through this therapy. Cause again, it was started out uh, four days a week and it was about five or six hours a day. And so it was a big, intense time commitment. And I wanted my parents to kind of know that I was going through this. It was all virtual at that point, just so that they could understand my schedule a little bit more in their meetings be times that I'd have to ask them for a little bit more help. And it was so devastating to me that when I told my mom, the first thing she said is, wow, that sounds terrible. And it was really, really crushing to me that that was her response to it. And again, as I look back, I understand that she just didn't have the tools or the vocabulary to really understand where I was coming from. So although it hurt in the moment, we've been able to talk about it and able to, you know, have me express like that was really hurt hurtful for me. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And there were definitely times in the beginning that I was like, why am I doing this? I'm taking so much time. It's costing a lot of money. I'm being selfish there are people out there who have way worse problems than I do so how dare I take a spot in this program when someone else could be getting help and that was my mindset for quite a while where I just wanted to quit or I would come on to the group sessions and I'd be like I have a therapy hangover I don't want to talk about this anymore like I'm done I don't want to talk about my feelings I'm overloaded but then at the end my last day I bawled like a baby I was like what am I gonna do without seeing you guys every day you know so um, it turned out to be a really fabulous thing and I really appreciate the other people in that group and the growth that I had during it yeah and you know what like oftentimes this is like it's like this battle this internal battle um, you know like you just said you were feeling like, you know, how dare I take up this spot? But it's like, if you don't take up the spot to accomplish, to accomplish 
the healing that you need and that you deserve then it's it's not it's just not going to happen so you know we all deserve to be happy and to heal from our past traumas and stuff so i'm so glad that you stuck with it um thank you now let me ask you this um so like I can tell that communication is big with you because you're expressive about your feelings, which is amazing, you know, because it's hard for some people to do. Have you always been this way? And if not, what did it take? How did you get there? Uh, definitely not. Uh, I am a recovering people pleaser. Uh, I don't know if you know much or your listeners know much about like the Enneagram, but I'm a number two in the Enneagram, which means that I am definitely like the helper, the giver, always putting other people first, um, which has its benefits too, right? However, uh, for a lot of times I would always put myself last and never wanted to burden my problems on someone else. And I think that's kind of part of my childhood too, where my parents never told me like, oh, we don't have time for you. But I knew other stuff that they were going through. And I would always just kind of take that role on like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to forge ahead. I mean, my parents never had to ask me about homework. I always got really good grades. I was the one applying for colleges, never, you know, had a push from them at all for those kind of things. And so I think I've been a lot more expressive about my emotions and communications just through different, you know, other things in life too, about being able to kind of like step forward and be calm confident and wanting to get my needs met and making it very vocal, which is really hard for a people pleaser to do. And so through my education, especially around boundaries, has been really beneficial for me to have those healthy, flexible boundaries in order to be expressive and to really communicate my wants and my needs and my emotions. Absolutely. And you know what? Oftentimes we get so wrapped up into meeting other people's needs like that we forget we need our own needs met too like you know i want to and you know what i think that that is one of i would have to agree with you because that right there was one of the things that made me draw a line in the sand like you know what i'm so sick of meeting everybody else's needs and i'm just walking around empty like you know my cup is empty i'm empty and i'm pouring into everybody you know and so it gets tiring um so when when you started the therapy what was the toughest part for you I think just getting over that first hurdle of uh, a knowing that I was worth it to be there like I deserve to spend time on me because when you're a parent as you know it's very easy to always put your kids first Um, if you have a partner put them first you know put your friends first and so really getting over that first hurdle of like it is okay for me to be here was the first thing and then also being really vulnerable with how I was actually feeling because I think with this whole mental health mental illness kind of conversation which you know, unfortunately, I feel like it took the pandemic to bring a lot more to light to mental health awareness. I think we have a long ways to go still, but it still felt really uncomfortable to be completely vulnerable in front of strangers, to be like, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling because it's kind of that like highlight reel that you show on social media. I'm not going to go on social media and be like, hey, this is everything happening in my life. And now this is what I'm doing because this is how I'm feeling kind of thing. That was a really hard thing of being uncomfortable with sitting in the uncomfortable feelings and letting other people watch. So when you started therapy and you were like feeling away about sharing your most delicate moments in front of other people, was it like you were worried about what other people would think or just being open like that? 
I think it was a little bit of both. So it's definitely like, what are other people going to think about my situation and why I'm here? And then the other thing was just uh, like sitting in that uncomfortableness of like being so vulnerable and crying in front of these strangers and like admitting that, you know, everything's not perfect. And just a lot of those like social norms that we think we have to abide by, um, really getting over that and being open and honest. Cause I've always been a huge advocate for mental health. I used to have a different business where we don't to a mental health um, organization for every product we sold so I have definitely been like an ally for people with mental health however when I was the one going through the struggles and the challenges it was really kind of like oh my what do I do now like I always rooted on other people but I don't know what actually to do in this situation when I'm feeling this way and so it was it was kind of a big pill to swallow absolutely Okay, so once you did um, start warming up, um, you know, and opening up about your story, did you happen to like run into other people that had similar stories? Um, not exactly completely similar, but it was nice to have a community that once you kind of got into it, you did start feeling more comfortable that there was no judgment. I mean, it was a professionally ran group. Um, there were many members in it and, uh, you know, it just, it, as time goes on, you're able to open up a little bit more and feel like it really was that safe space for you where you weren't worried about what you were going to say because of what other people were going to think about you. And that's probably why I bought like a baby the last day where it's just like, when am I supposed to do without you guys? I don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to go now (laughs) without being able to come on and, you know, talk through these feelings. And then I did continue um, regular therapy for quite a while uh, on there as well, which was great for me too, to still have that kind of support, um, you know, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. That's good. So if there's someone that's listening that, um, you know, is just struggling and is just carrying it all and, you know, what would you say to that person? I would definitely let them know that they are worth the time to get help. And you don't have to carry everything on your own. You're not supposed to. And we're also not supposed to know how to deal with all of this. That's why there are programs out there. There's professionals out there. There's different support systems out there to help you guide through it. Like we are supposed to be a community. As they say, it takes a village. And typically they say that, you know, about raising kids, but it really takes a village to live too. And you need those sounding boards and those support systems to really help you through some of your toughest times. And don't be afraid to seek out help either. Um, I am very vocal now about sharing about that I went through an intensive outpatient treatment because towards the beginning I wasn't sharing that as much um, when I was rebranding in my company and that really was incorporated into it but honestly the first couple people that I told every time they said oh that's really interesting I have a friend who might be interested in that I've never heard of that and then later on they'd be like that friend was me I really need that kind of help and I didn't know it was out there and so I just think there's a lot of untapped resources that don't get utilized because the education unfortunately just isn't there all we're really told is just go to therapy do an online you know therapy session once every month kind of thing but there are definitely different programs and different modalities and therapies that you can try if you feel like regular talk therapy isn't necessarily the best fit for you absolutely so once you finished therapy um was it hard to still like keep moving in that same direction or you felt like you had the tools that you needed 
I definitely felt like I got so many of the tools that I needed. So what I felt like through the program versus through typical talk therapy that I was doing beforehand is that this intensive program really gave me those foundation pieces in order to, again, take control of my emotions, understand my mental health, and also start, start incorporating more healthy and safe coping skills. Because a lot of the times when we want to shove things down, we end up adapting survival coping skills. So that's where, you know, drinking, drugs, shopping addiction, gambling, things like that. I mean, there's tons of different ones, but those are, you know, the extreme ones that people typically um, pick up and they start doing. And I could see myself slipping into that a little bit too. You know, oh, it was a tough day. I'm going to have a glass of wine. Oh, look at that. The bottle's gone at the end of the night. I guess I'll just go get another one tomorrow. And so really understanding kind of those cues was so beneficial for me. And I started really putting them in the forefront. And then I started using them with my kids too, because at this time they were in, I think at this time they would have been in first grade when I went through the program and we were still dealing with the back and forth of in-person hybrid distance learning like all these different things that I could see their emotions really going up or down too and I started realizing like if I'm not modeling and teaching them this they're not going to know how to handle it either and so we started incorporating it into our whole family and talking about it more openly and discussing what we can do when we feel angry because I think that's one emotion that kids get really reprimanded for a lot instead of taught on how to properly really express and understand that emotion and so we just started using them within our daily lives and I mean I still have my bad days and that was one thing that the therapist had said to me one of them during this program that might be beneficial because you kind of touched on it a little bit before but I remember we were going through some exercise and I just started crying and I was like oh my gosh it's like a faucet I can't turn it off I don't know why I'm like this right now like I need to, I need a break and I went into like a private meeting room with her on zoom and she just said you know what some days we have bad days and we don't know why and that's okay and that was so freeing for me because life would be really boring if it was meant all the time like we're gonna have ups and downs um, but being able to understand it and using those foundation pieces has been really helpful as I continue on in my healing journey because there's definitely times when I feel like I'm slipping back but keeping it in the forefront and doing the work that I do now to educate other people on that um, really has been beneficial yeah absolutely and you know what like you said like oftentimes like when we start this healing journey we think that it's supposed to be just like rainbows and sunshine every single day oh we got it figured out you know and it's not like that because once you heal from one thing then it's like more trauma resurfaces and it's just like yeah. a cycle into you know even stuff that you forget about has happened or even stuff that you didn't think you were traumatized from or hurt from you know it could be very triggering you know Absolutely. It's funny that you say that too, because I'm kind of, I didn't realize that I was a control freak until I had other people kind of point it out. And again, it was that feeling of not wanting to burden other people, but it also kind of has like that. I'm going to just take care of it and control it. So I know it gets done. And I know it gets done in this way. And so when I started my healing journey, I remember talking to my first therapist and I said, okay, so when can I feel better? Like I've done some research and I've seen that it usually takes about 18 months to two years to get over this type of trauma. And I just want to know like where you think I land in there. And she was like, I can't tell you when you're going to be healed from this. And I was like, well, I need to know because I need to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a deadline here that I'm going to reach. And so that really gave a good perspective too. that. Like you said, healing is not linear. It's going to be up and down and backwards and all around and you're going to find more stuff. And it's just that continuously growing and making that effort to heal yourself. That's really the main point. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not a time frame on healing because some things 
take longer than than others. You know, we all don't heal at the same pace. Like the same thing could have happened to you and I, but it could take you five years and me 10 years, you know, to heal from those things. But it's just the continuous, like intentional decision on a day-to-day basis, like even on the rough days. Okay, because I'm having a rough day, I'm not going to fully resort back to this broken place, you know. It's okay, I'm just gonna, you know, relax or whatever, or not answer the phone or whatever it may look like, you know, um, to help me, you know, to where I can rest or whatever it is I need to do to, you know, get back up and keep going, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because showing up every day doesn't mean you're going to be 100% every day. Some days you're going to be able to give 50%. Some days you're going to be able to give 20 and other days you're going to be able to give 90 and it's going to feel really good and accomplishing. But don't get down on yourself if you're having one of those 20% days because you're still showing up. It's just that we show up at different levels every day and that's okay. And some days I show up and I'm like, you know what? This is all they can get from me today. You know, I'm going yeah. home. I am. I'm over it today, you know, because I'm... And it's okay, yeah. you know, it's okay. Like we these, so one thing that I have been telling myself is like, you can't do everything all the time. You know, it's okay to miss out on this or that, or just to take a day off. Like, you know, that's totally yeah. okay. And not feeling guilty. Cause that was a huge thing I had to get over too. And again, maybe some of your listeners can resonate with this, but for so long, even back to like my marketing career, I felt like the only value I had was when I was working, when I was doing something. And I remember my husband left for the day with our kids somewhere. And I had a wedding to go to later that night or a reception or something for one of our friends. And I remember him being like, well, what are you going to do while we're gone? You have a couple hours with the house to yourself. And I was like, I don't know. I literally sat on the deck for about five minutes and then I was like, I should probably pull my computer out and get some work done. Like it was so hard for me to relax and it still can be challenging, you know, really taking that self-care piece in and being okay with, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just sitting still. And that's exactly what I need to do without any guilt. So again, it's always a work in progress. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I still struggle with to this day, because I, like you said, I'm so used to working or oh, I'm just used to chaos. Right. Or yeah. even like in the days where I was having to survive, you know, it was so much going on. So now it's like, I don't know how to rest, you know, I don't know how to rest yeah. and just be still, like you said, yeah. and it's a, it's a learning process. Um, you know, now let me ask you this, like throughout therapy, what are the top three um, tools that you think everybody should have that you find very valuable? Yeah. So gosh, there were so many, but I think the biggest tool that was really beneficial to me was understanding the window of tolerance. And that's really tuning into our body to understand how different emotions are coming up in different situations. And so Dan Siegel is the creator of that. He has some great videos out there. I have some information on my website too, but I highly encourage your listeners to like, go take a listen to some of his videos on how he explains it. So that was really beneficial for me again, starting to not suppress those feelings that were coming up, but rather ride that wave of emotions and kind of tuning into all areas of my body because then I was able to come back quicker to my sweet spot of emotions. The second thing was really healthy, safe resources or coping skills because again, like I was saying, a lot of us like to numb things out because they get uncomfortable. So we go to these survival skills and instead I had to start building my toolbox with healthy, safe coping skills in order to express those emotions. So that was the second thing and there's so many out there but even I remember we were headed into a a football game um, for my nephew 
and something had triggered me from my trauma and I could have easily spun out of control. And instead, I kind of just took that pause and I was able to do the five, four, three, two, one um, technique to get me back into that present moment. So you think, what are five things I can see? What are four things I can touch? What are three things I can hear? What are two things I can um, smell? And what's one thing I can taste? It's literally like a 20 second exercise when you do it in your head. And just having those kind of tools were so beneficial. And so that's why I love sharing about those things as well. And then three is just kind of giving yourself that grace of like, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to be in this spot. It doesn't define you. It just is what it is kind of attitude going forward. You know what? Yep. And, and oftentimes like we try to resist the changes that uh, we're going through. Right. And it's best to just kind of go with the flow and just have the attitude of whatever is meant for me will be and whatever's not meant won't be. And, you know, it just, it lifts so much of a burden off you. Um, yeah. I really like that five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting more popular, which I love. I heard them talk about it on the radio a little while ago. And so again, like these different kind of tools and tactics are becoming a little bit more mainstream, but still have have a little bit way to go. But I highly encourage it because again, it might mean I do that with my kids. I do it with myself when I feel like I'm, you know, starting to go in my fight or flight or my freeze mode. And the other thing that I forgot to mention, this is and kind of goes back to what you were saying. One of my favorite quotes came from my um, program and I actually have it tattooed on me now. And it is all of me with me, all of them with them meaning that we can't control what other people do or say or think like we have to be in control of ourselves and we need to be okay if other people don't react how we want them to to the changes that we're making oh that's some good stuff that's real good and you know one thing that my mom used to always say is um you can't change anybody right people are always going to be people you know you just have to learn how to accept like who they are and deal with them according to who they are you know not to the point where it's tearing you down mm -hmm. oh i like that i'm gonna have to write that down <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good one that's why i got it permanently put on my body it just is that okay. reminder you know of when i do get caught up in well, I can't believe they said this, or I can't believe they reacted to this, or yada yada. Like, I can kind of go back to like all of me with me. I can only do what I can do and need to be okay with however anyone else does it. And it helped tremendously in so many areas of my relationships, whether it was with my kids, you know, so I don't freak out when they have, you know, a bad reaction to something, with my husband when we're not communicating correctly, or, you know, with friends, family, whatever it is, like it can be used in all different kinds of situations. Absolutely. That's some good stuff. So I know you mentioned, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wait to go there. So, um, how did your kids react to those tools? You know, they are little, so of course they're still developing. It doesn't mean that we did it one time and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is perfect, mom. We're just little angels now. I mean, they're kids, right? They push boundaries, they test things, but it's that constant kind of reminder in working as a family. And so the day that I really started incorporating it in, my daughter came home from school and she was upset with me because she wanted a snack or something. I was getting frustrated because I was working at the table and I'm like, I, I just got some more work to finish like before I can do anything. I'd asked her to go do something Thing before I found her a snack ended up long story short with her underneath the table crying throwing a fit all this kind of stuff um, and again typically in that situation it'd be really easy for us parents to yell and react out of frustration and just say go to your room if you're gonna act like that my husband had called me at the time and said hey I'm on my way home do you need anything and I was like well 
kind of have a problem right now. Um, you know, our daughter is underneath the table screaming and kicking because she didn't get her way and I'm trying really hard to hold my composure. And so of course, emotions are like dominoes. So once someone gets frustrated, the other person gets, and it just can kind of continue on. So he came home and I think he probably thought he was going to like walk into World War Three, but instead he walked into a very peaceful and calm household and we were all sitting around the table. And what we did is we went around and we just said like, we're all going to give ideas on how we can calm our bodies and minds when we're feeling different ways. So we had one for anger, one for being scared, one for being like way too energetic and one for being sad. And we just created this communication around it. And then we actually hung up those papers in our pantry so that when one of us was having these big emotions, if we couldn't be in the right mind space to go and find the solution ourselves another person from the family could help guide of like should we go look at those sheets really quick and figure out what we can do now again it doesn't work perfectly all the time do they use them the resources absolutely and it's been a huge changing point in our family and how emotions and how we deal with our parenting has changed but again it's not perfect so i was in the bathroom a couple weeks ago my daughter was really upset with me and i started just doing a breathing exercise and she was like i know what you are doing right now <laughs> And I was like, what? I am just breathing. She goes, you want me to breathe too. And I don't want to do that right now. And again, I was like, that's fine. That's your choice. If you want to be upset about brushing your hair, that is your choice. I'm just simply over here calming myself down. And so again, sometimes they need reminders, but being able to give them those tools and help them start using that bigger vocabulary about how they're feeling has been extremely beneficial and it's never perfect, but it's definitely um, helped us create stronger bonds and communication within our nuclear family here. I love that. I love that because you're still in the, the, the communication like within your children. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people are taught that. I love that. I really do. Um, so with the tools and um, so what do you do now? Yeah, so I have a, a company called The Parent Toolbox. And so really my mission is to help break those generational parenting cycles and really help parents become equipped with their own tools to be proactive with health within their family. And that's physically, mentally, and emotionally because we live in a very reactive society for a lot of things. And so my goal is how can we take that pause? How can we be more proactive? And then raise some really amazing humans that we have a good bond with. Because so much of the time, especially when it comes to communication, us as parents, a lot of times when our kids come to us with something, it might trigger some things inside of us and we might feel frustrated or scared and worried, but for them it's projected as anger or and instills fear in them. So how can we start, you know, having those tough conversations, building up communication, helping them build their own little toolboxes so that hopefully when they're in their 30s like I was, they're not having to sit in a therapy office and trying to unpack this. And to be honest, it is a lot more hard work for us as the parents to do the rewiring than it is to start with them when they're young and help guide them along the way. Absolutely, because that, that'll be what they know already um, instead of, you know, <clears throat> us trying to, you know, like us, and I'm not speaking at you, but I mean like, you know, nope. like us um, trying to go back and, and redo like so many years, you know, um, and then move forward. Um, so I appreciate that work that you're doing. Thank um, you. I really love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm 
trying, trying to spread the word and the education out there because parenting is one of the toughest jobs that you are ever going to have. And there are a lot of shoulds out there um, that they say, although we don't know who they is. And so helping, um, I especially love working with moms, with kids, with like elementary age kids. So we can start practicing this stuff for ourselves and then we can start modeling it for our kids as well. Because I always say you don't need a mirror to tell you how you act. You need a child because they are going to show you the best and the absolute worst of how you react and how you respond to stuff. And as hard as that is to understand or to admit, um, it really is the truth. And I just want to empower parents that it's not about perfection. It's just about trying to do a little bit better. Absolutely. And you know, honestly, this does not come with a, a manual, you know, and the ones that they have that's not what parenting is like, you know? No. It's, it's, every day is something different. And when I see, you know, you never know how your child's going to feel, um, you know, in a particular day. Um, yeah. So I, I really love the work that you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm definitely not a perfect parent whatsoever either. So I always say, like, me and my husband joke, like, okay, well, our kids are probably going to be in therapy in 20 years. What do you think they're going to say? Like, what do you think they're going to talk about? Because yeah. we're going to mess them up some way. So yeah. it's definitely not saying there's any, you know, perfect parent, including myself. It's just helping them, again, build up their toolbox a little bit better so they're more equipped later on in life because of the mental health issues, especially around children and children's suicide rising and things like that. Like, we really need to start paying attention to this for the next generation so that we can change the course and change the headlines. And you know what? I was just speaking to some clients about that earlier today about us giving back into the next generation because they are going to be the next generation, the next adults. You know, we have to, you know, all the generational um, cycles and curses, like we need to stop them with us and, yeah. and you know, deposit different um, things into our children so that they are showing, you know, their friends, their family, their loved ones, and those coming behind them, um, you know, that things don't have to be this way, you know, it's, yeah. it's time to change the narrative and you are doing just that. Thank um, you. So one last question, um, if people want to work with you outside of this, how can they find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, so they can go to theparenttoolbox.info um, and that's my website. They can find um, free education, some free classes, some downloads. I also have a podcast called Mom Essentials. So we talk about the best and messiest parts of motherhood. So really no topic is off limit on there. Um, and I also do have a free parenting discovery call. So it's a 30 minute Zoom session with myself and we really dig into like the biggest parenting struggle you're having right now. So you can walk away with an actual strategy and more tools tools to put into place right then and there um, so that you feel like you're kind of moving towards the right step. Um, what Now, what about, um, so after they book the session, is it, do they do the 30 minute session and then start like courses or how does that process work? Yeah, so they can kind of decide. I, I love having those calls because I obviously want to make sure that I'm the right fit for the person that's on the other end of that line. Um, I know I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And so I want to make sure that we're a good fit for each other and in alignment. And then from there, they can decide if they want to, you know, do a course, if they want to do one-on-one um, -on -one coaching, parenting stuff, or if they want to get into a group coaching class that's going to be coming out soon. Okay, I like that. Just like there's no one fit for parents, there's definitely multiple types of support they can get. And I just want to make sure that it aligns with what they're in the need of right now and, and what works best for them and their family. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. It was so good to chat with you. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, hopefully your viewers have got some good nuggets from me. Um, and hopefully I can have you on my podcast too, because I know you have such an inspirational story uh, to share with others as well. Oh, I would love to. And you are welcome back anytime. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know about the viewers, but I know I got some good nuggets myself. Like I got some really good nuggets. I can't wait to implement some of these, especially that five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to, I can't wait to try it myself and then work it up with my son as well. I love that. Yeah. 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 It's a big hit before bedtime too. If your kids are having a lot of anxious feelings, mm -hmm. it's a good one to do right before bed. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in here on Let the Healing Begin podcast with myself and Angie. Um, please head over to www.greatergrowthllc.com. Support the t-shirt and hoodie store. Um, you can also support us by um, heading over to Amazon and purchasing a copy of Back in My Day by Asia Wilson. Thank you so much. And until next time.